Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Awesome. So was there uh, anything else you wanted to add, Jack, before we get into it? No, not really. Um, let's uh, get into it. From time to time, I'll add a comment or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, actually, you're going to be adding more than just a comment, but uh, pursuant to our call on Friday, you know, when we were in that conversation about the Jupiter Ascending movie and some other things, um, I would say over the years, we've had how many calls? 40, 50 calls together? Yeah, probably in about that neighborhood. Yeah. And in that group of calls, I think you would agree that uh, we've uh, played different roles with and for each other. Many times you've been the student, and sometimes I've been the student and teacher, and sometimes you've been the teacher, and we've kind of gone back and forth. Would you say that's a pretty fair uh, assumption? Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, as I told you uh, uh, in the past, there's, or I should say on Friday, there's a few, there's a few people that are asking me, and uh, I just wanted to give you a moment so that maybe they could hear it from you, because I've been telling them a few things, and without going into what I'm going to study, because what I'm going to study is for my for my class. You know, is for the class, and and and. Um, but if uh, if you think anyone could gain value, or knowledge, or wisdom, or all of the above, by participating in the class, could you just talk for a minute about that, and maybe some of the things you, that you've learned as we've gone through together, studying and talking together. Well, yeah, one of the things that you've got to understand when you're in this study is that many times things do not just jump out and hit you between the eyes, and you don't a lot of times just have that fireworks going off with that exploding moment. Oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. You know, every now and then that will happen, but... but the knowledge that you get and the understanding you get is, is, I believe, a lot more subtle than that. And you've got to put the whole thing together as a 360-degree turnaround puzzle. You can't just take one or two things and set it aside and say, okay, I know that's going to work, because everything has an interplay with it. And what you are able to do one day, and let's say get your sovereignty, so to speak, or um, perfect your title to your estate, the next day you can turn around and by what you say or by your acts or your actions, you can surrender it and give it all up again. 
In, in fact, I think, Neil, you will agree with me that, that one of the probably biggest truths that one might learn in that movie, Jupiter Arising, is the fact that Jupiter was literally sent through that administrative procedure to get her title so that she had the claim to every bit of property on planet Earth. And literally within minutes, there were entities that were attempting to subtly get her to give up that title and surrender it to them <laughs> as though it made no difference. And and she kind of started understanding that that was true, that she could give it up. So the next thing she had to understand is whether or not she really wanted to give it up or whether she wanted to have, let's just say, enough balls to keep keep possession of it no matter what the threats or the innuendos might be against her, her relatives, or her person if she stood her ground. But you've right. got to understand that this just isn't a one-time deal where you're going to learn a couple of things. You're going to make out five, six pieces of paper, uh, put some autographs on there, a couple seals on them, put them in a file, and then all of a sudden you're good to go. It's going to be hammocks and Mai Tais from now on out. You're not going to have a problem. That's not the way it's going to work, because as you get to the top, there's going to be everyone in the world that's going to want to challenge you up there, and they're going to want to come and grab that, that title that you believe you've got and you can't lose now, because you can lose it in a heartbeat. Well, the same thing's true of legal procedure. You always have to be on your toes. And I know one of the things that you emailed me this week, Neil, was... Uh, a copy of a letter that you emailed to some other people, and I had made the comment to you when we talked, too, that if if people cannot see the miracles that you are kind of exposing and giving them in the four nights that you've been on here in a joint class with my Monday night and with your group that you picked up on the Internet, if they can't see the miracles, then their eyes are not open yet and their ears have still been shut because they are there but they're subtle. And you can try to explain them to people, but when Scripture says that God said that because of your lack of faith and your lack of due diligence of trying to get to the bottom of this, I'm going to stop up your eyes so you can't see and I'm going to close up your ears so you can't hear, that's a, what a lot of these people are still involved in. And I'm not going to say that you're ever going to get over that hump. If you use due diligence and search, remember the answer is, he who seeks, he will find. He who knocks, it will be open unto you. But if you're going to sit back and say, go ahead and teach me, I dare you to, I want you to put some kind of logic and understanding in my brain for me, that's not due diligence, and that's not the way you're going to get this. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, one of my students is actually, um, i got to open up the phone and see. Let me see if he's on the call here. Hey, uh, Mitch, are you, on the, are you on the call? I am here. Okay, great. And what state are you calling from? I am calling from Virginia. Okay, so I think I see you're logged in as MLT. 
0826, something like that? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, something very interesting <laughs> happened, and I've also got another one of my students who's here from Hawaii, and he's going to get on for just a moment. I haven't even started the <clears throat> classes yet, but what I did was I uh, – everyone who's signed up and said they're on board, I've gone ahead and uh, sent out some information to survey because I want to know what they want to learn. I want to know what kind of issues they're having. Uh, I want to know what days and times of the week. I want to try to make this as uh, um, just compartmentalized as I can and meet the needs of as many of the students as I can. But before I even really got into that, I sent out my mandatory reading material, which is the book entitled Busting Loose from the Money Game by Robert Scheinfeld to all of the students who had signed up. And uh, I hadn't heard from Mitch, and he and I have um, talked back and forth, you know, emailed back and forth and stuff. And uh, the reason this book is so important is because, you know, and this is kind of one of the things Keating was touching on a little bit in some of his stuff is, but this book goes into it in depth, is it explains the fundamental understanding, the foundational understanding to the movement, to the redemption movement, to everything. And that, if, you, if I could sum it up in one sentence, it would be that we're creating everything. And if I could add one sentence to that, it would be that this world is a playground, so to speak, that is an experiment, and the experiment is what if you limited unlimited power, because that's what we are. We're unlimited power, and that's what we're experiencing is the limit, living in limitation. So what if you could limit unlimited power? And anyway, Mitch, being the good student he was, read the book, and then he had a life experience. And I'm going to stop here, and I'm going to let Mitch tell uh, quickly about his story, what happened, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Let me also say that, uh, first, good evening to everyone. Let me also say that I also read the second book, um, which you mentioned, which was Zero Limits. Um, I read them both. Um, within that same month, I think it was October, no, November when you sent me the email. And long story short, Friday, um, my car broke my car broke down three miles from home. I waited two hours for the tow truck. It was 28 degrees. I never, never got frustrated, never got bothered. Had the car towed to the dealership. I found out uh, Friday morning that the car was going to cost me $975. Um, it ended up costing me $1,022. Um, I had the money, but the money was for was for some other bills. Um, after paying for the car, I found out that there was a recall that had not even been issued yet, and that I would be getting the money back as soon as the recall was issued. Um, I, I really believe that it was my attitude um, that I developed, uh, you know, from, from some of the reading materials and just not 
realizing that I was creating, I could create the money, I could create the abundance, I could create what I needed for that situation and really sticking to it and not getting wrapped up in the situation but realizing that I am abundance and that I am limitless in power. And I really believe that that was the reason that, that amongst many other things that have that have shown up um, in small measure and great measure uh, since, you know, re- reacquainting myself with, with this type of information. So I um, I just really appreciate the time to share and, and hope that everybody would just avail themselves to learn all they can and to get all they can. Thank you, Neo. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, I had called Mitch up to say, hey, brother, you know, I hadn't heard from you in a while, and, and what's going on? And I wanted to check because, I, you know, I knew we were going to work together. And and uh, he told me the story that he just finished telling you, and he was saying, you know, yeah, man, I really want to join your class and and this. And he says, he says, but I know right now there's not very much money in my bank account, but he said, I know I'm creating that. So I'm not going to let it bug me. It's going to be all right. And when he said that, I knew where he was coming from. He was coming from the teachings of this book that I'm making mandatory reading material for everyone who joins my class. And it's when someone steps out on that faith and verbalizes that and puts that energy out into the universe, what they're doing is affirming what they are willing to accept and believe and put into motion and have be their reality. You see, the problem, our problem is, and this is me included, our problem is that we have been told that the world is a certain way. And we have been told that you know, for the purposes of what we're discussing tonight, that the government is in charge, that they have all the authority, that they have all the power, that you can't fight City Hall. And, you know, you can break this down all the way down to just like what Mitch explained with his finances, you know, that I don't have money in my bank account. Oh, my God. And people start freaking out. But he never, I could hear the calmness and peace in his voice. And he said to me, I'm not going to let what's going on in the outer world affect my inner world. And see, that's what this is really all about. We really only have control over one thing, and that's us. Okay? We have influence, just like I have influence to share my ideas and, 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 and thoughts and understandings with other people. Notice I did not say beliefs. Okay, but it's up to you to choose whether how you're going to live your life. I can't tell you, and it's not my business to try and tell you. My business is to share with you the things I know are true for the purpose of you uh, considering whether that is something you consider valuable and do you want to implement that in your life to make your life more meaningful and more purposeful. So uh, needless to say, uh, you know, when I called Mitch and he told me these things, I was so touched by them that I told him, you know what, don't worry about paying me right now for the class. We'll get that squared away. That's how touched I was. I, 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 was, very, I was moved. 
And so I want to thank you, Mitch, for being that which, you know, you know is true and for expressing that and um, for touching me and saying those things and sharing what you shared with me. I really appreciate that. Um, Then I want to go to uh, Hawaii, and I know, Robert, you're with us on the call. How are you doing this evening? Hey, good evening. So, um, Robert, you made an interesting comment. Uh, I know you and I are working together on some credit card issues you have, but you made an interesting comment about popping up, and I wanted you to just take a moment to share everyone where you got that from and what that means to you. Well, uh, first thing I have to say is that uh, since reading the the book, um, I wake up every day with the laugh. I just get up and realize where I am, what's going on, and up from inside of me comes this laughter because of the um, just it's like the realization of the joke that we've played on ourselves for so long. Me, in particular, for me. Um, and so then Which what joke happens is throughout that? the day? What happens Which throughout the day is um, I find that all the againstness, all the judgments, have gone away. Just just within a couple of days. Um, so that thing about damn that neighbor, you know, and their noise and it's bugging me and stuff. But when I realized that I created that, then there's no energy for judgment. Um, and so to realize that I've created all this, uh, and I think that that will uh, also apply to, you know, the situations that we're working with. So there, there is no againstness against the court or against the, the plaintiff per se um, and any fear or anxiety I have about that can now leave because I'm creating what's going on here. Yes, I still will take the steps to do what we need to do to set things right and I think that will apply to uh, whatever we integrate from, from your teachings but the immediate anxiety uh, judgments all that stuff is just dissolved, which is a blessing in and of itself. Right. And then the second book is Hugh Lin, which is a Hawaiian guy. He talks about Ho'oponopono, and I'm going to talk about that in my classes. But you're absolutely right. You know, we are creating this whole mess so that, you know, Jack, you and I have talked about this in the past, but <laughs> how... Uh, you know, these debtor slaves, you know, and how they act like debtors and they act like slaves. And I'm talking about the people, you know, and the, and the, oper- and the mindset that they're operating from and arguing and fighting and defending and going into these courts, doing all those things. All that is coming from a debtor-slave mentality, which they have imprinted into our brains since we were born. And they imprint it into our parents, so they would pass it along to us. They have control over these churches. They have control over these schools. They have control over the media, meaning TV, radio, uh, newspapers, magazines, the whole nine. 
and from every angle you're getting this, you know, this whole thing that, you know, you look at the news, they're talking about the government, and, you, you know, the, the, the whole thing is that the government, like I said, is in control, that they're running things, that they have all the power, that they have all the authority. And the place I, I operate from is exactly the opposite of that. And the mentality I have is exactly the opposite of that. And the way I talk to these people is the exact opposite of that. And when I write letters to these people, it's the exact opposite of that. <clears throat> okay? So what I'm trying to say is, and, and, and before I go on much, well, let me just finish this thought, and then I'll come back to what I was saying with Robert in Hawaii. <clears throat> Coming from that mentality, then you are in big trouble. And I hate to say it this way, but you're lost. Because you can, if you stop and think about it, these people got, you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest employer of people is the government. They have the most employees than anybody else. How are you going to compete with that? And if you look at their laws, the tax law alone, I think some, I read somewhere the IRS has 60 million words in it. How are you ever going to compete or read that? How can you ever be in compliance with that? You couldn't read that now if you started reading till the time you died. They got all these guns. They got all this stuff. They got all these people behind them. They got all this force. They use force. You got to be at peace. That's what this is all about. Jack has preached this since the day I met him, and before then, I'm sure. You've got to be at peace. And the peace comes from understanding and knowing your place in this whole thing. And what I've always said, knowing who and what you are. And, I, and, and, and you know, the guy that I was talking about in my letter that was telling me, oh, you know, I'm coming from the, 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 I'm coming from the truth. Really? I've had so many people tell me this, and they're the first ones to get up and go argue with these people and defend against things and testify against stuff. You don't have to do any of that. Why? Because you, they have to do that. They have to argue. They have to defend their position. They have to get up and testify because you're coming in there and they can't put anything in there that has anything to do with you. They can't come in and put, oh, well, you've been uh, indicted or you've received a ticket or you haven't paid you. Well, show me where my name is. If that's the case. If you're saying this stuff has something to do with me, show me where I'm identified on any of this stuff. You're going to get the dumbest deer-in-the-headlight look you've ever seen in your life. Yes, there are kind of two things that come to my mind when I hear about courts and I hear about truth. The first one dealt with the trial of Jesus before Pontius Pilate, and when somebody mentioned the truth, Pilate asked the question, what is the truth? Almost like, why is it even relevant here? We don't care about the truth. 
we're we're looking for something more basic than that. And the second thing in which there was a trial with truth is in the Hollywood version of the movie A Few Good Men. And when Jack Nicholson was on the stand and the prosecutor was yelling at him to give data or information which is the truth, Jack Nicholson told him, you can't handle the truth in this court. These are not courts of truth. These are courts of lies. And so truth is really irrelevant in those public proceedings, even if that's what you thought you had to deliver. That's right. Um, I'm looking it up real quick here. There's this movie called The uh, The International with Clive Owen. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> if you have not seen this movie, you must go see this movie. He loves okay. the international bankers. Yeah, and so um, they're tracking down this guy, okay, who uh, is an assassin. And let me get over here. Uh, let's see here. And they go to this, they go to uh, Italy to meet this guy that's running for president in Italy. And he has a, he has a, uh, private meeting with Clive Owen who is who works for the uh Inter, who works for Interpol and this other lady that's a uh a district attorney in New York all right let's see here and so the guy's name is Umberto Calvini the guy that's going to be running for president in Italy so they start asking him all these questions, and they're probing, and they start finding about this bank called the IBCC Bank, okay? And he tells them, oh, well, the IBCC is doing, you know, these big moves to move, trade guns and arms and all this different stuff. And uh, <clears throat> so they say, oh, that, so that's what this is all about. This is about guns and arms and all this stuff. He says, no, it's not about that. And this is what he says. He says, the IBCC is a bank. Their objective isn't to control the conflict, meaning a war. It's to control the debt that the conflict produces. You see, the real value of a conflict, the true value, is in the debt that it creates. You control the debt. You control everything. You find this upsetting, yes, but this is the very essence of the banking industry, to make us all, whether we be nations or individuals, slaves to debt. You see? And then talking about the truth, there's another conversation that happens when this lady, D.A., she gets back to New York and they're tracing down this assassin and uh, she, her, she, her boss is really mad at her for pushing, pursuing this thing for so far. And so she tells him, she says, we're just trying to get to the truth. And her boss says, I get it. But what you need to remember is that there's what people want to hear, 
There's what people want to believe, and then there's everything else. Then there's the truth. And then the lady tells him, and since when is that okay? I can't believe you're even saying this to me. The truth means responsibility, Arnie. And then he says, exactly, which is why everyone dreads it. (laughs) You see, that's what I'm here about. That's what Jack is here about. That's what my classes are about. That's what I'm teaching. I've taken 20 years of study, and I've studied with some of the greatest minds, Jack, Keating, Winston, Rice McLeod, Cindy Beers, the list goes on and on and on. And what I've done is, just as is always the truth, each one I've learned from, I've taken a pearl or a diamond, and I've put them on a string, and now I've got a beautiful necklace, and I want to share that necklace with everybody. I want to share all these truths with everybody. That's the purpose of all this. Because it's like my friend, she told me, she says, you've got to pass this on. Otherwise, it just dies. And so that's what, that's what we're doing here. And then I wanted to go back to, uh, to Robert in Hawaii. Robert, specifically, you said about popping up. Thank you for popping up in my, in my life. Could you just, like, uh, talk about that for just a second, and then I'm going to get on to the meat of this uh, conversation tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, thank you, and I accept your gift of teaching us this, because it's been a long road. Um, I guess um, the thing that really happened is, with all these things coming up, and, and for the most part, I I could say I live a charmed life um, as far as not having a job to go to. I have my own business. Uh, But the challenging element is uh, when the bills come due every month. And so that's that's where the uh, apparent lack is happening or has happened. Um, And I just got fed up with it a couple months ago, and I said, look, I don't, know, I don't know if I was praying to God or talking to my higher self or what it was, but I said, you know, I, I, I just had it. I want to know what the truth is. I really want to know the truth. And that's when, um, I, I think I missed your first couple of calls, but in uh, January, right before you had the, that next call, is, is like the next day your email came and said, I'm doing another class, another call with Jack. And so that, to me is is how you showed up how how I caused you to show up in my life at the perfect time right you see the one who understands the truth of what's really going on in this life knows that we are ca- we are creating okay i don't really like to say causing we're creating We are children of the great creator, okay? And we are creating all of these things that are going on. Keating used to say it a different way. He said, don't get pissed off, don't get mad, don't blame, don't complain. He said, accept the responsibility. You've created these situations. Now I create something different. That's all I'm saying. 
the same thing. Create something different, okay? And then I'm going to be teaching and I'm going to be explaining in these books and all the material that I'm going to be handing out is the one key, the linchpin, the foundational stone that I believe the movement is missing from uh, our, all of our great searches. And I have really started implementing this heavily now in my life, and I've started watching miracles happen. Things just come to me. Movies to watch with the secrets, as I've shared with you all before, just come to me. Watch this movie, and I watch it. And just like I said on the Bulletproof Monk, you know, they told his, his, his predecessor told him, before you can take over the office, you've got to get rid of your name. You've got to give it up. And he said immediately, I've already done so, Master. I've already done so. You see, we're, what we're learning is beyond the mind. Where we're going is beyond all these things. It's the mind that keeps us trapped here. It's the mind that they feed all this stuff into and really and truly, we're not the mind. You don't have a mind. I know you're thinking, oh, okay, well, Neo's freaking crazy because what's he talking about? Of course I got a mind. Really? You have a mind? Well, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to take five, 15 seconds. I'm going to pause for 15 seconds. And I, tell, I want you to tell your mind to shut up. You don't want to have a single thought come through. Nothing. You just want silence starting right now. Okay, so how did that work out? Yeah, right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The mind isn't yours. You know, you have an arm. If you reach your, you say, if you say in your mind, okay, or if you say to yourself, I'm going to raise my arm to scratch my other arm, you scratch your other arm, you can do that, okay? You can sell your arm, you know, basically you just think it and it's done, but you can't. Tell your mind to shut up. That tells you the mind is not yours, and but we've identified with it all our lives, thinking it's who we are. Give you another, I'll give you another example of that, Neil. There is a movie that just got released to DVD. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of cute. Your little kids or grandkids will like it. It's called Box Trolls. And these box trolls are little critters that were villainized back in time and they went to live underground and at night they come up and they rummage <laughs> through garbage and everything else but they're called box trolls because they all live their bodies live inside these little cardboard boxes and at one time they had a little baby boy that was given into their care and they raised this baby boy and of course they put a little cardboard box around him, too, and the box that he inherited had been used to pack up boxes of eggs. So his name now was Eggs, and he lived in this box that was printed eggs on the outside. Well, eventually, of course, the people above ground knew they were there, but they treated them almost like rats. They were something that had to get trapped and get rid of. But the boy, the little boy that grew up with them, he thought he was 
a box troll for a long time, just a little different. When he came out and he met a girl on the surface, and she recognized him as a little boy instead of a troll, she started inquiring of him why he thought he was a troll and why he wore that box. And long story short is, eventually the people that lived on the surface learned to understand that the box trolls had been villainized by one of their own members above ground who had treated the people inappropriately as a thief and a crook, and he blamed his bad actions on these little box trolls. In the end, the box trolls were told that if they were going to come out of the underground and live with the people and get their freedom, they were going to have to get rid of their boxes. So they had to start thinking outside the box. <laughs> they led their whole life that way. Nobody ever told yep. them they should and live outside the box. There it is. That's right. See, uh, there's been this great spiritual revolution in America, and everyone's all, oh, you know, all, uh, you know, all these new ideas and stuff. And uh, <laughs> what's what's funny to me is is none of these are new ideas. All of this stuff is coming from the East, okay? Mainly from India, Tibet, Nepal, and these places, and and and. They laugh at us. I mean, they they literally laugh at us because, you know, we're all advanced and we think we're all so great and everything over here. And you know, the, because the mind is worshipped, intellect is worshipped over here. That's why we have so many retard atheists. You know, these people claiming there's no gods are just retards. I'm sorry, I just got to say it what it is because the first time I asked them. I say, well, okay, uh, how did you come to this conclusion? Well, you know, I just, uh, just uh, there's no God. I can't, there's no empirical evidence. I'm like, really? So let me see. You've, so that means you've studied spiritual stuff for, what, 20, 30 years? Oh, well, no, I, I've never done that. I said, well, wait, wait. Most of these guys are very intelligent, too, by the way. And I ask them, okay, well, you know, you got a degree in college or something. Oh, yeah, I have PhD or master's, whatever. How many years did you go to get that? Oh, well, 20 years or 20, you know, 18 years, how many ever years, you know, but it's a very long time. I say, so let me get this straight. So you went to school, so you got this profession, you've got these, all these degrees, you know, you did all this stuff and you did all this study to, to, to learn what it is that you know now that you're an expert in, but you have spent zero time in any practices and any reading and any you know, going somewhere or learning from someone, anything, and but you're going to say there's no God. I'm sorry, man. You got to go. I'm not listening to that. So, uh, and along those same lines, and I'll just finish up what Robert was saying over there in Hawaii is he's, we're popping up all of these things. We're popping up all of this stuff into our reality. That's the kind of the foundation of this book. Now, Christmas just passed, so I'm going to share something with you. I'm going to share a song with you you've known since you were less than five years old. We're going to talk about it for a second. 
okay? So it's the song about, uh, tell me who the song's about. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Who are we talking about? Who are we talking about, everybody? I got everyone unmuted. Yahweh. <laughs> Santa Claus. Okay, we're talking about Santa Claus, right? Yeah, yes. They want they want over there? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for just a, a moment. He knows when you are sleeping. Well, wait a minute. When you're asleep, you're not consciously aware of what's going on. So who is it that knows when you're sleeping? It's the supreme being. Okay? He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. Well, what does that mean? That implies he sees all of your actions. Remember in the Matrix when Neo had was first brought out, Orpheus took him into this room that was all white with this red chair, and then he tells him this room isn't real. He says, uh, Neo freaks out. You can see the look on his face. His eyes get real big, and he starts feeling on the chair. He says, you mean this, this chair, this isn't real? And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. And Morpheus says, what is real? How do you define real? If real is what you can see and what you can smell and what you can taste and what you can touch, then those are just electrical impulses being sent to your brain. You see, the, the big problem that science still has to this day is figuring out where consciousness comes from. Because consciousness doesn't come from the brain. The brain is just a physical organ that receives electrical impulses, just like Morpheus was talking about. And the interesting part of the movie is, is that Morpheus never does explain what reality is. Okay? Reality is the one that is the witness of all the impulses that the brain has, the electrical impulses that the brain has and receives, okay? And that is what we call consciousness or awareness. And that is what we are. St. Francis of Assisi said it a little bit differently. He said, that which you are looking for is that which is looking Whoa, <laughs> that's pretty deep. So why am I telling you all this? Well, I'll tell you why. I happened to watch Men in Black uh, recently, just the other day. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character, Agent K., is uh, just finished exposing the fact that there's aliens here and freak, 
cuts William Smith's character, Agent J, out. And then he says, you know, he wants him, he wants, K wants J to come work for MIB. And so J, who is, again, Will Smith's character, says, why the big secret? People can handle it. And K says, an individual is smart, but people are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. And then he goes on to say, 1,500 years ago, people knew the earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, people knew the earth was flat. 15 minutes ago, you knew aliens were not walking around on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. This is my message to everyone on this call. Anyone who's contemplating uh, becoming a part of my private class, I can tell you <laughs> that tomorrow and the future tomorrows, we're going to explore things that are going to question everything that you think you know or uh, that you believe to be true. The person that you think you are you are not. And what's even more than that, you never have been. It's part of the play that's going on here in this planet. And remember at the beginning of this call, in case you missed, I said the play is, in one sentence, what if you could limit unlimited power? That's the play we're playing. And part of that play means having a physical body. And part of the play meanings is thinking and believing that you are this physical body. And Agent K goes on to say, humans for the most part don't have a clue and don't want or need one. They're happy. They think they have a good bead on life, meaning they think they pretty much got it figured out. Well, I'm here today to tell you you don't have it figured out. <laughs> and I'm not saying I've got all the answers. But what I am saying is that I've been on a path both on the redemption truth and on spiritual truth, and I have found them intersecting. And now, Jack, if you want to chime in any time, but I have found them to be, at this point of my studies, inseparable. You know, I think the comment of January Jones that is absolutely in the discussions in the movie, Jupiter Arising, said it very well. I think there were times that she observed what was going on around her, pretty much amazed and bewildered, and the best she could do was, quote, holy crap, unquote. <laughs> and that comment was used by so many critics that have literally accused the whole lyrics of this movie uh, of being so ridiculous and, and so totally losing everybody 
because if that's all she could muster, uh, then obviously this can't be a very sophisticated writing of some kind of a sci-fi novel. And yet, if most of these people ran across many of the things that we are going to be teaching, holy crap would probably be about as far as they could go also. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's like, I can't remember the movie right now, but it's these two guys, and they always have something to say about something, and I forget exactly, but some situation popped up that was just inexplicable and they look at each other eye to eye and they're sitting down next to each other and one looks at the other and he says i got nothing and the other one goes i got nothing (laughs) it's kind of the way it is folks we're going to be going to the twilight zone for a lack of a better terms we're going to be going out and touching on things that just you know they're out there but the but the purpose of this is is not to, you know, I'm not trying to start some new cult or anything crazy like that. The purpose of it is, is that to get this, to get what's going on, you've got to get out of your mind. You know, some people say, oh, you're out of your mind. And my thing is, I say, well, if someone ever says that to me, I'd be like, thank God, you know, and I don't ever want to go back. You know, the Apostle Paul had a big problem in the New Testament. You see, he got a different view of the way the Father had a relationship with his created on planet Earth. And he's not at all the fire and brimstone and the evil hurling of ashes and boulders and things like that unless you really deserve it. His goal was really to restore the perfect creation that he created that man screwed up rather than try to beat the hell out of man for screwing up his creation. Right. And what you're really saying to them, Neo, is you've got to be like God trying to bring about a perfection of the lives that so far we have totally managed to screw up for ourselves on planet Earth because we didn't know who we were and what we were doing, and we keep finding ourselves defeated defending ourselves as though somebody's out here charging us with something. And when you find out that God said, I'm not charging you guys with anything. I'm trying to get you to understand how to fix what it is that you guys continuously screw up because of your bad concepts and thoughts. And if you would start thinking positive out of the box, and start working with me instead of fighting me all the time, it'd be different. But you see, the whole Old Testament was created under the theory that man screwed it up and now he's got to fix it. And Paul came along in the New Testament and said, look, God told me he already fixed it. You don't have to do what he's already done. He's fixed it. The debt is paid. If you're worried about the electric bill at the end of the month or you're worried about the criminal charges because your daughter beat up the little girl next door, you don't have to worry about that. It's already fixed. So what we have to learn to do is understand that all the problems have been fixed except what's in our own mind because we don't see them that way and we are obsessed our own remedies 
So rather than get this idea that you've got to create something new, what you've got to do is you've got to take the thing that was already there that was created that works, and you've got to apply the created thing that works. You've already got it in your toolbox. You've just got to learn where it is, reach in and grab it, and then bring it out and fix the thing that you keep obstructing all the time. It's that simple. The girl, Jan, uh, Jupiter Jones, was cleaning houses and cleaning toilets with her mother and with her aunt. And that was about the highest thing she thought she would ever accomplish in life. And she was in bed a couple of mornings when her mother would say, hey, man, it's time to wake up and get going. And she said, I hate my life. I hate, I hate my, my life. life. I yeah. hate my life. Yeah. And then someone came along and said, you are queen of planet Earth. You have title to everything. And she's going, holy crap, you've got to be kidding me and wouldn't believe it. And there is such a unique difference because at the end of that story, she and her friend from outer space are perched on the highest building top in Chicago. She now knows who she is. She has everything that she would need, but she's not willing to go out and just throw it away and spend it. As far as she's concerned, she says, you know, if I were to tell everybody or even anyone, even my mom on planet Earth, that I have title and own the earth, they would all laugh at me. They wouldn't even believe that I was telling them any truth. And then she stood up, and one of the coolest little gadgets that's in this movie is some of the hunter-seekers that, that exist in the galaxy have rocket boots that are really kind of cool. It allows them to fly and go all over. And here is Jupiter... Jones, and she stands up on this roof. She's feeling good about herself. She's feeling confident. She's got her boyfriend from the outer galaxy there, which she's fallen in love with. And she walks to the edge of the building and leaps off and starts flying all over Chicago through the sky with her rocket boots. And her boyfriend right behind her jumps off the building and is soaring after her. And they're just having a leisurely afternoon, enjoying themselves flying the skyline of Chicago. And if you think that's impossible, well, we don't know yet. Because we haven't tried to even fulfill part of what it is that we have the capacity to do, if you know who you are. Absolutely. And... That's really the key here, because immediately when I talk to somebody and I start having a conversation with them about the redemption or whatever you want to call it, and they start talking to me about things like jurisdiction, or they, especially jurisdiction. Okay, now we're going to get into a little meat, fellas, ladies and gentlemen and fellow truth seekers. Is everybody ready to get into it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, so let's get into it. When these people, 
who I call the agents, their whole power lies in what I call the propaganda machine. Okay? The propaganda machine consists of all the things I talked about earlier, which are, first of all, the person, the people that you spend the most time with from zero to seven years old when you're most impressionable, when you don't know anything, when you're learning how the world works and who you are in relation to the world, and, you know, the first teachers, your first masters, your first gurus or whatever you want to call them is guess who? Good old mom and dad. And if we get them brainwashed, they're going to pass all the brainwashing on down to you. My mom, as much as I love her, she always used to tell me, you know, you can't fight these people. You can't fight these people. And she was right. I shouldn't have been fighting. I should have been commanding. But then, you know, you go to school, and what do they teach you? They don't teach you any of this stuff. You know, we all know that. They're teaching us the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and all this other meaningless stuff which has absolutely nothing to do with you, which is no longer in effect, which is just a waste of time. Filling your head with stuff that is going to do but one thing. Ring, the bell rings, and you run to your next class, and you get in there, and in the morning, you know, you're in the ring on time. All they're teaching you to do is be a good slave. Be to work on time, be to school on time, you know, do your studies, learn how to write and do stuff so you can, you know, be a good little productive slave at your work. That's all they're teaching you. Then you go to church. What do they teach you in church? Well, the Old Testament, you know, you go start reading in there in the New Testament, and they all say, oh, you're just a filthy, dirty, nasty, no good for nothing sinner. Holy crap, man, how do you have a chance? I mean, you're getting it from every single angle. And then if you saw the Die Hard movie, the one with the the kid who was, I think I mentioned this before, the kid that was uh, doing the um, using the computers. These people were using the computers to shut down everything in the country. And Bruce Willis said, uh, hey, haven't you heard what's going on? And the kid says, no, I don't watch the news. He says, don't you know what the news is? The news is nothing but... Is the only purpose of the news is to keep people in fear. Well, let's examine that for a second. What do you see on the news every day? Murders, rapes, killings, abductions, kidnappings. When do you ever hear a story of something happy and positive and uplifting? Very, very few and far between. This kid nailed it. They're keeping the people in fear with every single thing they do. Because when you're operating from a position of fear, you are controllable. You can be manipulated. You can be controlled. What did Morpheus say the matrix was? What is the matrix? Control. The matrix is a computer-generated dream world that is designed to turn a human being into a battery so that what's that mean what are they doing with the batteries what are they what were they doing with the humans they were sucking the energy out of them 
Well, what does that mean? Well, what are they sucking out of the people? Taxes. <laughs> Mainly, look at all the taxes you pay. I saw a list once of all the taxes in the world that there are in the U.S. And, and then if you live in a state that has state taxes, holy Christ, man. We're, they're, you're out there working, and they're sucking your hard energy off. and That has to stop. And that's the, one of the first things we're going to address in my class is how to make that go away, period, permanently. You say, well, you know, well, how do you do that? Well, <laughs> the first thing is you've got to rewire your brain because I'm going to tell you something right now. <clears throat> this whole thing is a battle for the gray matter between your ears, and they got control of it right now. Okay, I'm sure for the most part that that is a fact of it. Mostly everyone on this call, okay? And because you know what? We created it that way. We came here as unlimited beings to experience what it would be like to live in limitation. And now there is a move of spiritual consciousness, upward move, to unlimitedness again and unlimited power. And that's what we're learning. We're learning here first how to master it on the physical level and then on the spiritual level and then the mental level and then we'll have it on every level to where we can step into the position of knowing who and what we are again and that we command and they do what we say. We are the head. They are the tail. We are the masters. They are the slaves. We are the creditors. They are the debtors, and this is an absolute fact. And big part of the class I'm going to be giving is helping people to get that into their brain cells, okay? So that when you talk to these people, you know, when you talk to these agents, there's the way you talk to them where they know this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or B, this guy's heard some stuff, but he doesn't really believe it. It's not his. He doesn't own it. And then there's C, there's a guy that knows just enough to be dangerous. And then there's D. You know what D is? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the guy that talks to them matter-of-factly. This is the way it is, partner. And if you don't want to go with the way it is, then I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pull up your bond, and I want to see where your authority is to administer or regulate or do anything else based on your job description, based on the authority that you have. You know, last week I was talking about the whole uh, uh, driving and traveling thing and the difference between the two. You see, these cops, these traffic police, their line is at the commercial side. Their line begins there and it ends there. A license is what? Permission to do something that's otherwise illegal. Well, how is it illegal to travel? It's not. That's why the first question out of your mouth is, what evidence do you have that I'm engaged in commercial activity? 
And what evidence do you have that a traveler in his private car needs a license? I thought only commercial drivers needed licenses. See, because now he's got to roll the dice, okay? He's got to pick those dice up, and he's going to blow on them a little bit, and you've got to try to throw them on that table, and he's going to hope they land a seven, because you know what? If they don't land a seven, he's in big trouble. He's rolling the dice with his life, his future, his job, his employment, and he's going to have to go out and find new work if you know what you're doing, if you can convey to him the knowledge and see when it comes out from a place of knowing this, it's just like, oh, it's like walking up to somebody on the street and saying, hey, my name's, you know, Joe Blow. What's yours? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Mike so-and-so. Oh, okay. Well, where are you from, man? Oh, I'm from so-and-so. Oh, really? Uh, uh, where'd you go to school? Oh, I went to school here. See, you, those things just come out because they're just part of who you are because you know, that they're, you, know, you know that they're who you are, so you know those things. You don't have to think about them. That's where you've got to be to make this thing work. You've got to be in a place where you own it. You've internalized it and you've made it your own. And if you don't get there, if you can't get there, if you're not there, then they will smoke you out. Jack, you can come in here for a moment if you like, but those judges, when you go into court, what are they always trying to do? You know, like if you get over on them, they try to recontract or trick deceive, manipulate, lie, cheat, anything they can do. They're going to use specific words that have commercial context with them, to which you probably will not be familiar unless you've really studied it and owned it. For instance, automobile and cars, the one that we used as that example last time. But you've got the same parity of words in everything you're doing. For instance, when it comes to land and property, most of the time the, real, the reason they're taxing the land or the property that is in the county is because it's categorized as either commercial, residential, or agricultural. Well, agricultural and private farming are two different things. If you were privately farming the land, you wouldn't be a paying a land tax on it as though it was being used as agricultural property because that's farming with a commercial connotation to it. So you've got to understand the meaning of words because they'll get you to contract by knowing the definition of words that you're unfamiliar with and you'll agree that you've been in a commercial realm when you don't think that's what you're saying. Exactly. I mean, before Keating told the redemption movement that the word understand really means accepting liability for. We didn't know that. If you look it up in Black's Law Dictionary, it's there as bright as day. First edition, that's the only... And that's another thing we're going to do in my class. We're going to go through words, and you're going to understand what these words mean, and you're never going to be trapped, manipulated, tricked, or deceived ever again because of the false use of words.
do you understand the charges? Well, we mostly all think, you know, he's basically just asking, do you understand what I just said? Yeah, sure. <laughs> what you said when you said yes is you agreed to pay a debt. The whole court thing in there is nothing but a financial t- transaction taking place between two merchants. Go look up merchants in UCC1. If you come in there and you start looking around uh, and talking to this guy, and you're presumed to be a merchant, a merchant banker, because all that is is two bankers trying to negotiate the payment of a debt. You're the only thing solvent in there. The rest of them are insolvent. They all represent or are working for a corporation a for-profit corporation, private corporation, and by the way, all these states and state governments, there are no such things. There are no governments anymore in the United States. None. I mean absolutely none. There are no laws. There are no legislatures. There are no judicial branch or executive branch or legislative branch. That's all a big illusion. They've got to go back and see the movie The Never-Ending Story. Story. The Never-Ending Story is about, it's the children's novel about the nothing that has taken (laughs) over everything and caused an absolute drought in the land, and everybody is perishing because of the nothing. This is not my opinion. This is an absolute fact, and I can prove it. In 1933, when all this stuff happened... They all, all the governments got together, you know, all the state and local and all these, well, the state and the U.S. all got together, and then the states filtered it down to their counties and so forth. But they realized they could not go on any further as they were. And believe me, they didn't think this stuff up. All this stuff was laid out for them by the same guys that initiated the Federal Reserve. They had a whole plan laid out for these guys. These guys are geniuses. And and that really leads me to another thing is it's my firm understanding at this point, notice I don't use the word belief, but it's my firm understanding at this point that you are not going to fit with the mind. I have wrestled with this stuff. Uh, You know, some other minds greater than mine have wrestled with this stuff And it's my firm understanding, and Spirit has actually confirmed this to me very recently, that the only way you're going to get there is you've got to to rely on prayer and revelation. You've got to study, and it will just come. You've got to be, you know, studying, and I'm always studying, and I know Jack's always studying. We're always sharing things we have you know, the benefit of not having to work, like I said in my last email, a nine-to-five, you know, so that we can spend more time looking, reading, you know, researching and doing all these things. But they have created 
this monster, the nothing, because that's what they are. Okay, so let's go to the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy lands in Oz, and I talked about this last week, and everything, the real world is black and white. That's why you never write anything in color. Real is black and white. The fictional world in the movie was in color because that's colorable. Go look up colorable in a, in a law dictionary. It means fiction. It's not real. If you go into court and you don't, you have an equity or some different type of remedy you're asking for and the judge can't recognize it, he'll send it back to you and he says, make it a colorable claim and resubmit it because he can't see it. Or else leave it in private and don't bring it into the public court. I've seen that before. I have actually seen this before, so I know what I'm talking about, okay? I've seen a judge return a, a pleading to a guy and tell him this, you've got to make this a colorable claim and a colorable remedy, okay? So she goes in and she meets these munchkins and they tell her that the got to go see the wizard. The wizard has the questions for you, the answers for you to get home. So they tell her, how do you get on? How do, how, she says, how, how do I find the wizard? They, they bring her over and they say, follow the yellow brick road. Well, we all know yellow bricks is gold. And this is made in 1939 and that's what they were doing a few years before, taking away the gold. Gold is measured in ounces. The abbreviation for ounces is OZ, and that's Oz. That's why you got to go see the Wizard of Oz. So she cops and skips down the road, and she gets down the road, and the first guy she runs into is the straw man, the man made of straw. And she asks him, which way is it to Oz? And he points one direction. And then when she looks away for a second, she looks back, and he's pointing the opposite direction. Then she looks away for a second, and she looks back, and he's pointing in both directions. So she's like, oh, you know, this guy's confused. Well, why is he confused? Because he doesn't have a brain. So she tells him she's going to Oz, and he tells her he doesn't have a brain, but he'd like to get a brain. So she says, well, why don't you come with me, and we'll go see. I'm sure he can help you out. So they go down the road. They skip, and the next guy they find is the Tin Man. Tin, T-I-N, taxpayer identification number. And what is he missing? He's missing a heart. Gee, does that sound familiar? Everyone know anything about the IRS? If you know anything about them, they don't care. They don't have a heart. They don't have a conscience. They don't have anything. Your money's due. Your money's owed when it's owed, and they don't want to hear about it. So the tin man joins them. So then they go skipping down the road, and as they're skipping down the road, they run into the cowardly lion. Well, who's the cowardly lion? Well, go look at the his crest for England. England has as its symbol, just like we have the eagle, they have the lion. They're the cowardly lion. They were going through and taking over countries like India and conquering the world, the British Empire. Ruthless. Look how they, if you go back and study the story about Gandhi, you'll see how, you know, they were treated very badly. Okay. So the lion doesn't have courage, so they say, well, come on, man, He'll, he's going to give the straw man a brain, he's going to give the tin man a heart, I'm sure he can give you courage. So they skip, they skip, they skip, and they finally make it up there, and what do they see? They get to the door, and the guy won't let him in the door to see the wizard. So Dorothy starts crying, and he says, okay, all right, come on in. So they go in, and what do they find? They find an altar which has these pipes coming up, piping in smoke and fire 
And this image of this guy comes up, and he's talking very harshly to them. What do you want with a great and mighty powerful Oz? Well, we're trying to get home, and he wants courage, and he wants a brain, and he wants a heart. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to give you the most impossible task that you'll never be able to do it so you can leave me alone, so you can go away, so you never come back and never bother me again. Go get the witch's broom. Okay? Oh, and by the way, when they're hopping and skipping along on this whole thing, they come across this one little patch where the road stops, and it's full of poppies. And as they run through the poppy field, they all fall out and become unconscious except for two of them. Which two? The straw man and the tin man. Why? Because they're not real. They're not real. Okay? IRS isn't real. The straw man isn't real. He's not a living being, but they put that name on those papers everywhere, and they send them to everybody, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, my God, you know, they're going to rain on my parade, and they're going to take away my property, and they're going to seize my bank account and all this other stuff. Well, what the hell does any of that have to do with you? That's what they're telling you in this movie. That stuff has nothing to do with you because it's not real. Get your head out. So they finally make it to Oz, so they somehow or another, by hook or crook, they end up with this broom, and they get it back to the wizard, and what does he do? He reneges on his agreement. Say, what? You mean to tell me we went all the way up here, and we fought with this witch, and we got this broom, and we went through all this trouble, and... And we bring the broom back, and you're not going to do what you say you're going to do? Now, geez, who does that sound like? (laughs) Sounds like the government to me. And so Toto, for those of you that don't know any Spanish, the word Toto is actually spelled T-O-D-O. Toto means all. means everything. It's we the people. So Toto goes over, and he sees all this stuff going on in this little booth over there, and he pulls back this curtain, which reveals that this big bad wolf, Wizard of Oz, is nothing but this little bitty old shrimp, ball-headed shrimp, no offense to the guys that are losing hair, and... He tries to hide his identity. Don't pay attention to that man behind the curtain. (laughs) So finally he comes out, and they reveal who he is, and they see who he is, and Dorothy kind of picks on him a little bit for being so mean, and all of a sudden he becomes very benign and almost benevolent. And so what did everybody come there for? Well, the straw man came for a brain. Did he get a brain? No. He didn't get a brain because he wasn't real. What did he get? He got a diploma. 
The tin man came for a heart. Did he get a heart? No. He got this little clock, tick-tock, tick-tock, in the shape of a heart. The cowardly lion came there to get courage. Did he get courage? No. He didn't get courage. He got a medal. You see, these people can't even deliver on nothing. They don't have nothing for us. All they are is a big, fat illusion in your mind. And that is what has to be gotten rid of. That is what has to be renewed and understood properly. And then when you see them for who they are, then who you are becomes, starts to become apparent. Okay? So then what Dor- if Dorothy actually got her remedy? Yes, she did. But, but the Glenda, only reason the only reason she got a remedy is because she provided it herself. When she was in the presence of the wicked witch. Remember when the great Oz told her that she had to go get the broomstick and bring it back and she would get a remedy. The broomstick was that which gave power to the witch and she made a comment well, if I've got the broomstick, basically I don't have to do anything else. I've defeated the witch. Now, if you remember right, the only one that got harmed when they had, when all four of them went to see the witch was the straw man because he's the one that goes to prison. He's the one that goes to the court. They're always whipping the straw man. That's what he's there for. And in this particular case, when fire got thrown on the straw man, He was going to get burned up. But then when they picked up that pail of water and threw the water on the straw man to put the fire out, some of the water ended up landing on the witch. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it was like acid. It ate her and dissolved her. And when they went back to see the Wizard of Oz and he asked, he said, that's quite amazing you've come back here may I ask how it was that you defeated the witch and got the broomstick and then she indicated what had happened and he said to her isn't that amazing you liquidated her which is a commercial term that is right meaning that the debt was canceled And I'm just here to witness as a judge that you have completely settled that case. You didn't need me except as a witness. And Dorothy said, well, don't I get something? And he said, well, what would you like me to do for you? Would you like me to put it on paper and put a big ribbon and a seal or something on it? And she said yes. And that made her happy. But in reality, when she went to see the Oz, the great Oz, the Oz basically told her, go solve your old problem, and when you get your problem solved, come back and tell me about it, and I'll proclaim it publicly. That's all I'm going to do. Right. So the wizard's balloon takes off by mistake. He lets go, and he flies off. And Glinda, the good witch, comes floating in on her little magic ball and so Dorothy says, oh, she's all worried. She says, oh, I'm so worried. How am I going to get home now? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm never going to make it home. 
Glenda tells her, you always had the power to go home any time you wanted. That's the message for tonight. Everyone on this call has the power. You just have to know how to access it. You have to understand it first. You have to imbibe it. You have to internalize it and make it your own so that when you speak to someone, it's just like you're telling them where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to school, how old you are, when your birthday is, and so on, what kind of car you drive, whatever, or travel in, I should say. (laughs) When it's that much a part of you, when you're talking to them as though it's matter-of-factly, that there's no question in your mind that you know what you're speaking is the truth. When you walk a certain way, when you look directly into their eyes, when your body language is a certain way, when your tone and voice are a certain way that are both commanding as though you're coming from, as, as you are coming from a place of knowingness, you get a different response And if you get up there and you try to read it off a piece of paper or you try to rely on something you filed in the courtroom or you try to wing it, because I've seen these approaches and and I've watched people who had spiritual conviction and I studied this stuff a long time. And I watch them go up there and just take a lawyer as if it weren't nothing, knowing exactly what that means and knowing exactly what that does to your position in a criminal case. It means you're guaranteed to go to prison, okay? Or, uh, you know, depending on whatever's going on, probation, but you're going to get something, Okay. You're going to get hemmed up some kind of way. Public punishment. Yeah. So the, the, the message is, and the message I'm sharing, and I think that the whole movement is starting to move into, and I was just telling this to a, to a friend of mine today, is the stuff I'm studying now confirms what I have always believed, and that is this. We have the power. We have always had the power. Everything begins and ends with us, and we get the final say-so on everything. We dictate, and they do what we say. And it's, and, and it's, it's got to be tempered, okay, because these people, meaning the people that are running the governments, especially at the higher levels, are killers, they're murderers, They're thieves, they're liars, they're cheaters, they're stealers, they're all these things because they're acting under a demoniac demoniac spirit. And you can see it in their eyes and you can feel it in their courtrooms and you can just, it just spews out with that stuff. 
And you've got to be so centered in who you are that nothing can touch you. And that's what I'm going to be teaching. And I'm going to be showing people how to get these monkeys off your back. And I'm going to be showing people how we're going to go forward by, you know, we got to free up our time, our most valuable, and I heard this in a movie the other day, our most valuable resource on this planet is time. In fact, they might have even said that in Jupiter Jones, but uh, I'm just, uh, I don't know, I watched Casablanca and a couple other things too. It might have been in one of those movies, but that's a fact because it's limited. We're only going to be here for so long. We've got to learn how to free up our time so that we can enjoy what we're here for. We're not here to be, you know, trading our time for money. And there are ways to free up our time, and then the second is financial freedom. And then there's the freedom that comes with you know, knowing who you are. I watched this movie about John F. Kennedy, and he was giving a talk shortly after his inauguration. It was starring Martin Sheen. It was a series on the, uh, it aired on TV probably in the 80s or something. And he says, and he's giving his talk, and he says, our rights do not come from men or from government. They come from God. In some of their laws and in some of their stuff, they might try to write down what some of those things are, <clears throat> but they don't give them to us. Okay? They come from a higher source. And when you're standing, when you understand what's going on, when you comprehend what's going on here, it's like the remedies will just come to you. Because the way I'm going to do this in my class is I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions. I'm going to give you all the foundation, and then I'm going to start asking questions. And you guys are going to have to figure it out. But I'm going to help. And then you guys, whoever's in my class, my attendees, they're going to have to write their own documents. I'm not going to write your documents. You're going to write your documents. Because there's a... There's a certain swagger and there's a certain additional understanding that comes when you can write your own documents, now you're learning to stand on your own two feet. Now you're learning to think for yourself. Because if someone's handing you documents, they say, and I watch this all the time, I get, I get phone calls, I get emails all the time. Hey, uh, you know, somebody told me to do the OID process. I said, who told you to do that? Oh, well, this guy. I said, did you go read any IRS publications? Oh, no, I didn't do that. Oh, my God, man, what in the hell? They didn't even go read so much as one publication or instructions for one form. And now they got this money from the IRS, and they spend it all, and the IRS wants it back with principal and interest. Or I was, <laughs> I was studying up in Dallas with a guy, and Sam Kennedy got more people thrown in jail than I can count. And I'm sitting there with this guy, and he's teaching me about some different stuff. And this was years ago. And uh, 
His phone is his phone starts vibrating and he talks to this excuse me for a second, he gets on and he starts talking. Five minutes later his phone's ringing again. He handles that call, then 20, 30 minutes later, his phone's ringing again. This happened all day. And so I said, what's going on? He goes, man, he's just shaking his head. He goes, Sam Kennedy got so many people in trouble. I said, huh. Yeah, they're all following his retarded methods of doing stuff, and they didn't go read or research or study anything for themselves. And this is a big problem. Keating said it to me over and over and over and over and over again. Nobody reads. Nobody researches. Well, what I'm trying to do is take all my research and condense it down and distill it down. You don't have to go spend 20 years. You can learn this real fast. You can learn the remedies real fast. You can know the things you're missing. We can put those in place. That's what this is about. That's what I want to share with the people. With all, everyone who can join, you know, everyone who can join. So I'm just inviting. I'm opening the door. You guys all have my email. Send me a send me a uh, email, you know, and let's let if you want to join, we'll talk about it. So what I want to do first is regarding the teachings and the stuff that we've shared tonight, I want to open up and see if there are any uh, any questions. So anyone on the chat line that has a question, you can raise your hand or send me a text, and I'll just go ahead and open the call up. And we'll go from there. Okay, the call is open. And if anyone has a call, just tell me where you're from so I can mute everyone else, and then we'll go forward with your question. Can we get your email? Certainly. It's M I G U E L Miguel, and the last is Bond, B O N D, 44 at gmail.com. Thank you. Okay, did anybody have any other questions? Any questions? Go ahead. See, because if I ask you if you have a question and you don't ask me a question, then that means you've understood everything I've said. And if you've understood everything I've said, then you don't need to learn anything else. Because I've already told everyone how to do what I'm getting ready to do in my class several times over if you were listening. So somebody must have a question. <laughs> Hello, this is Brother George on Nation, New Jersey. How's that? Fantastic. Um, yeah, one here is a, a man, a living spirit, not a corporate abomination, and uh, created by my Father in heaven, Yahweh. Uh, Amen. Um, yeah, say one is, um, just say one is standing in the house and, and got a presentment from a road pirate and wants to go address the court clerk of the private corporation and say no contract, George, yet on an equitable standing, one wants to, uh, for deposit only, pay to the order of the United States Treasury, charge said sum to the 
to the entity known as the quote-unquote court or the private tribunal, would that be a correct method to do it, or would one have to claim it first on the private side and then make the public presentment? There's a lot of ways to handle that situation. Yes. Okay? Uh, The first and probably easiest, if you wanted to play the commercial game, was I would take a friend of mine and I would go up to their booth as soon as I received it and say, I want to pay this. They're going to refuse to take your payment, and that means it's over. 3603B of the Uniform Commercial Code. Anyone who offers a payment and that payment is refused, the debt is settled up to and including the amount of the tender. That means it's over. That's one way you could do it. On the private side, if you just wanted to handle this on the private side, I would send it back and say, where are you as a debtor in possession under a Chapter 11 bankruptcy approaching me as a creditor? How are you approaching me? By what authority are you making the presentment? What are we doing with that? What's that? Okay. I'm assuming I've got a I've got a northeast New York. I'm assuming that's you. I'm gonna mute everyone else out. Oh, Rivington? Oh Did that answer your question, sir? Uh, no sirs here. Just men. But yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Neo. One here appreciates this, and one looks forward to the classes. And I'm sorry, uh, could you just share with me? Uh, I'm assuming you've already uh, signed up. The, uh, uh, the, the money order should be on its way. This is Norm? No, this is uh, George on Nation, New Jersey. Okay, beautiful. Okay, George, thank you. Um, you see, this is going back to everything I'm saying before is, is that, does somebody else need to ask me a question or want to ask me a question, I should say? Okay. This goes back to what I was saying before, which was that... This all has to do with authority. And they made us, meaning the government chose, they they chose to put us in the creditor seat, in the driver's seat of this whole thing. We're running this whole thing, but nobody stepped in and taken the authority and the power and stepped into their office and position. So they just said, well, okay, fine. You don't want to take it? Then here's what we're going to do. We're going to make you just the opposite. We're going to come over here and act like we're running this thing, and we're going to start telling you what to do, and we're going to start giving you orders, and we're going to start bossing you around, and we're going to start telling you where the rubber meets the road, and so on and so on and so on. And so we just all took it. We're just all taking it. They're the debtors, not us. They can't come to us with a debt. A debt is a claim. Who how, how, Where's your claim against me? How can a debtor have a claim against a creditor? When you send that back to me, then we can talk. 
and that letter's never coming back. This is the reprogramming that I'm telling you that everybody on this call that has a serious, sincere interest in moving forward and really wants to learn this stuff, you've got to get this. And people, and I'm not being rude, I'm not trying to be rude, and I'm not trying to, you know, cut anyone down or anything, but people run around saying they're operating in the truth, and they don't even have this very basic understanding of what really took place in 1933, and I'm going to be hammering that into my students' heads until they get it. Because when you get it, that comes with the knowledge that I'm running this show, that you answer to me, I don't answer to you. And if you know what, if you cross over this line, there's a damage for that. And when that damage is going to be backed by what gives you the right to be out here in the first place, your bond. And when your bond lets up and it doesn't have enough to cover the damages you've created against me, well, then we're going to go to a different place. Everything... And I guarantee you, you do that one time, then people will never mess with you again. I don't know who you are. Okay. So who else is out there? I hear a, a lady and a man whispering on the phone to each other. Oh, Neil, we're all, I thought we were all muted. No, see? I have my own tricks. I got you unmuted. All right. <laughs> who am I talking with? This is Norm down here in South Carolina. What's happening, Brother Norm? Yeah. So uh, who, who's that on the line with you? That's Miss Scarlett, my sweetheart. The lovely Miss Scarlett. Hello and welcome, ma'am. Well, thank you very much. I was just telling Norm that that would be sweet to uh, get out of all this slavery. Yeah, and guess where the slavery is? In our minds. Right between your ears. In our minds. That's correct. That's the only, that's the only place it exists. So Norm, Norm uh, very happily told me today you're going to be joining us in the class. Yes, sir, I am. How about that? I told you, Norm, not to give up on her. I didn't, and we, we were late on the call, too. Okay. Listen, people, you are the greatest creation of the universe. Would you please, someone, get on the line and explain to me how you can be in subjection to anyone else except by your own misunderstanding and ignorance? I talked to a gentleman today. Here's a prime example. Okay, I'm going to mute everyone back out. I talked to one gentleman today, and... Uh, he's uh, having some financial issues, so he's not going to be able to join the class right now. And at the end of the call, though, he told me, he said, thank you for calling me. It really makes me happy to hear from you because I'm no one. I'm a nobody. And I immediately corrected him, and I said, no, sir, that's not true. You are somebody. You're somebody to me. You're somebody to the creator. You're important. Your life has meaning. This is what has happened 
to so many people on this planet is we've been told we're nobody and we're not important. And I'm here to tell you today that that is one of the biggest lies out there. The church perpetuates lies that tells us that we're no good, that we're filthy sinners, and there's nothing good in us. Let me tell you, whatever the world tells you, you can pretty much bank that it's just the opposite is true. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to say that again. Whatever the world tells you or any of these world associations, be it the church, be it the government, be it the schools, whatever. And unfortunately for most of us, Scarlett, you're one of the lucky ones, honey, whose father can tell you that that's not true. Because whatever the world is telling us is a lie. And what is what did the Lord call Satan? He said he's the father of all lies. That's why I say these people are demoniac. But we don't have to fear them anymore. Because we know the truth. And when they see the truth in our eyes, when it sparkles in there, and when they see the way we're standing, and when they see the way we're talking, when they see the way that our eye contact is direct with them, and that we're leaning in, and there's no fear in our eyes. They know that we know, that we figured it out, that we know the truth, and that they have no authority over us. And if they want to roll those dice, baby, grab them dice and start to rolling, because I know the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step. So if you want to test me, if you want to test my resolve, if you want to test my level of knowledge, if you want to test where, see if I know what to do next, because see, that's their biggest, next biggest game. I think I was telling you all all about a piece of property I was helping a friend of mine with. We made some mistakes. I know what those mistakes are. They're dumb ones. But I tell you what, the people that are going to be in my class will never make these mistakes. Never. You got my word on that. Well, we're going to correct those mistakes because I know the things. See, if there's no government and there's no laws and there's no courts and there's no executive, legislative, or judicial branch, then I know everything I, I need to know to shut their operation down because all they're doing is pretending they're the government. And they do a very good job of that. And they raise a whole lot of money. You ever go on one of these uh, traffic courts? They got them lined up. I call them the sheep, the sheeple. They got them lined up, and they're lining up to get sheared. They're lining up with their pocketbooks out. They're lining up with their wallets open. And I'm going to challenge everyone on this line tonight, you know, to decide. You really want to learn this stuff? You really want to make this your own and move to the next level? Because you know what? What's going on is it can't be helped because we have moved into a new spiritual age and information about this stuff is coming faster and faster and faster. 
and it's coming to people like myself and like Jack who've dedicated their lives to learning this thing. I'm not giving up till I fig- figure it all out, and I'm almost there, baby. I'm almost there. There's still some things I've got to learn, and there will always be things I have to learn. But I know the path that I am on is the true path. And I know that where I'm going, I'm pointed towards home. And I'm walking straight ahead, and I'm not looking back. And I want to bring some people with me. And I want some people to be able to share in the happiness and the joy and the freedom. But you know what? Even that's an illusion. What we're really, really ultimately going to be doing is, yeah, we're going to be learning about this redemption stuff, but we're going to be learning who we are. We're going to be learning what we are. And when we get that, it's all of this other stuff's going to just become sort of like, you know, okay, I got it. Yep, I understand. And a few little pieces of the puzzles are going to be put in there, and the rest of it's just going to fall together because most of it's going to be how you talk to these people. You know, you don't have to go learn a whole bunch of stuff. It's much simpler than you think it is. We've, we, we've gotten programmed into thinking it's so difficult and it's so hard that, you know, we, we believe that to be true, but it's not. It's a lot simpler than you think it is. There's just some do's and don'ts. There are some do's and don'ts. Christ said, if a man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of heaven. There are going to be some things that when you start down this path, you can't ever go back and do anymore. There's going to be some things that when you get them, you're not, you know, and you have this understanding, and believe me, it was like a light switch turning on for me. When, when one of my mentors shared this stuff with me, and I got it, and he says, you know what, you can't ever go back, and you can't do this, that, this, and that, and I said, I get it, man. I get it. You don't have to say another word. I think he told me two more times on two different calls, and I said, look, man, I get it. You don't have you don't, but he still had to tell me one more time because that's the way good teachers are. They tell you over and over and over again just to make sure that you understand. Because, see, when you traverse from where I'm going and where we're going together, and we, you traverse back into their world, you've now taken your hand off the plow and you've looked back. And that, that, that can be very devastating. You can't do that. So this is a commitment. This is a commitment to yourself first. It's a commitment to me. It's a commitment to learn the material. And I'm going to give everything I got. I'm going to give all I got. I'm going to share everything I know so that you can teach this and your children's children and so on and so on and so on. Because you know what? The only way we get rid of this mess is through knowledge. Why in the book of Micah did he say the people were perishing? It was because of a lack of knowledge. And he then goes on in the next verse, which very few people finish up because it's a two-verse saying. And he says, because you, this is the Lord speaking, because you have rejected me, I will also reject you. He's talking about knowledge and rejecting the Lord and rejecting his knowledge. We have bought into the lie. I have always questioned authority since I was a little boy, man. I, I was in the military and I didn't make it. <laughs> 
because I have a problem with people telling me what to do. I have a problem with authority because I've always known that it was wrong. There was something inherently wrong with this picture. There's something inherently wrong with politics and all the crap they're doing. These people are not up there serving you. They're serving their own self-serving interests. They don't care about you. Big business comes in and pays and makes them filthy rich to pass through their GMO foods and their pollution policies to pollute our air and our water and our food and everything else and just and just do it. They don't care. They only care about money. That's it. They don't care about nothing else. They don't care about people. They don't represent the people. People don't know what a republic is. A republic means a representation of the public. That's what they're supposed to be, and that's not what they are. They are not there to help you. They are there to self-serve their own interests, and that's it. Uh, before I finish up, Jack, would you like to add anything? No, I think you're doing a pretty good job. I would add one thing. Earlier in the two-piece example to the one gentleman as to how to handle the charges, uh, talked about the authority issue, which if you're on the private side and you have you've literally made the jump across to be the executor of your estate, that's the only proper way to do it. But if you haven't gone there yet, his next uh, plan, plan A, actually, that he had was to endorse this instrument over to the clerk. Mm-hmm. But he was endorsing it like a negotiable instrument under Article 3. I would suggest to him strongly, and we could bring this in when we get into our course, that he may not want to negotiate it as a negotiable instrument, he may want to endorse it as a non-negotiable instrument because we have a lot of people that have been doing this uh, acceptance for value, return for value type thing that has gone back a number of years now. There's been a number of people that have been advocating that as an interim remedy, and I know because my group was one of the first. I got some of that information out of a friend of mine who was in a criminal case in Canada probably about... 10 or 12 years ago, and he had some success, and then there were several other people that took off with that and ran. Well, now the federal government is starting to charge people that are doing the acceptance for value with defrauding the government or even counterfeiting. The reason is is that you're creating the equivalent of what I would define to be public money or Federal Reserve notes, and you don't have the authority to do that that is act those there is no money the federal reserve notes are debt but they serve as a money for trade in in the uh public sector of commerce today which is really an oxymoron it's a private sector of commerce the public should be back to the republic with what they're doing like neo just told you a couple of minutes ago these people aren't running the public They're running their own interest. It's a private corporation for private gains, and they've just convinced you that it's the public. But they're screwing the public, and they're privatizing everything by selling all the public assets to these people that are acting like the public banks that that are collecting debt from all of you crazy people that think you're debtors. 
Well, when you negotiate those instruments by endorsing them over under Article 3, you, you aren't paying the debt because you're using one debt to replace another debt, which really doubles the debt in the public sector. That's why they're charging you with defrauding the United States or counterfeiting. You need to treat those pieces of paper as title deeds, and you've got to do a non-negotiable return of those under Article 9 instead of Article 3, or else you're really going to get yourself into trouble down the road. Right, so you advocate doing a banker's endorsement, I guess. Is that right? On, on the non-negotiable side, if you have not completely gotten in control as the executor of your estate. See, Neil, right. if, if you teach them, and that you can do if they're ready to go there, basically how to get in control of their estate, they've just privatized it. Just like the car is the private side of the automobile, which is public, these people have all abandoned their birth certificate estates, and they're being controlled on the, on the commercial side by the alien property custodian who is acting as the trustee of that estate because these people have abandoned their own estate, never shown up. Right. The Social Security is a trust which overlaps, just like a lien does, the Social Security Trust overlaps their birth certificate estate. Theoretically, you can't get at your BC estate because you're just getting public benefits off of that public Social Security Trust, which is really private again, because it, it's, it's overlapping the property, which is really yours that you're entitled to, but you surrendered it when you failed to, to invoke it. So what I'm saying is, no matter what they do, they need your permission. And so when they give you a piece of paper, it's a deed. They're looking for your signature if it's commercial, or autograph if it is non-commercial, because they want your permission to access the property, which ultimately is yours, whether you've claimed it as the executor or whether you've still somewhat abandoned it. They're just covering their tracks and getting your signature on it so that later you can't come back and accuse them of stealing your estate. But remember, the Founding Fathers, when they got together, they all pledged their sacred honor, their name, and all of their estates and the property to the United States of America, the Republic. And so in reality, these people that lack, act like they're your government and are really not, they're asking you to pledge your assets to support our nation for protection and stuff, just like the Founding Fathers. The problem is, like Neo said, you're wandering around doing everything backwards because everybody told you, oh, my God, protect your property. Don't let anybody have it. But remember, what does Scripture say? If the guy wants your, your pants, give him your shirt, too. It's no big deal. It's still in your estate. You're just lending it to them so that they can get by in this world because they haven't got the same blessings you do at that time. Okay, so all they're doing is seeking authority or permission from you. If you see the movie dealing with Jupiter ascending, finally this lady Jupiter gets the idea, okay, my God, I guess these people are all telling me 
that I really am the title holder for planet Earth. Then she looks at the real bad guy whose name is Balaam, and he wants everything. And Balaam is trying to say, well, well sign over, give to me planet Earth, and I won't, won't harm you, and I won't harm your family. And Jupiter looks at him eyeball to eyeball and says, let me get this straight. Even though you tell me you have the authority to take that planet now, you're telling me you need my permission. Is that true? Her signature, her seal, yeah. Signature. And, and basically he nodded affirmative. And she said, well, then you're threatening to kill me and my family if I don't authorize you to take it. But if I do give it to you, you're going to kill everybody on the planet, which will be us anyway. So I am not going to give you authority. You have the right to say no if it's for evil purpose, but you have the right to say yes in order to help your brother. So it's your mindset. It's what, what, is, what you're up to and what your opponent is up to, and you've got to understand you're in control for good or bad. Make a choice. Exactly. Exactly. Because all the real work is getting the understanding. The smaller amount of, of, of really your position in this whole thing. Once you understand your position, what you are on this whole big monopoly board or whatever you want to call it that we call Earth, who are you? You're the shot caller. You're the shot caller. You're calling the shots. And and then once you get that mindset, then there's only a few little pieces that need to be put into place because, believe me, the hardest part is getting this between your ears, getting it in there, where you understand it, you can walk it and talk it. And then getting the little paperwork and stuff is nothing. Okay? Those are just some procedural stuffs, but you can mess it up by going backwards, like I said before. So that's why I say the fundamental thing here that we're going to focus on the most is, is for you to understand who and what you are. And that's what I've been talking about since the first minute I got on Jack's Calls. And it's one of the last things I'm talking about tonight. And so before we hang up, uh, I want to unmute one last time to see if anybody has any other questions. They Uh, want me to... Yes. Uh, Where are you at? Uh, This is George on Nation Indiana. On the Nation of Indiana. Go ahead, George. And uh, I wanted to um, uh, give... uh, uh, reading, which is pretty much in alignment with what Brother Jack was uh, stating, and it's found in Galatians, in Galatians 4. And the word reads, What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a, a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, father 
sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. And because you are sons of the Father, sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, Father has made you also an heir. And where in Galatians is that? That's in Galatians 4, uh, uh, starting with verse, is, is found in verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are er, er, Abraham's seed an heir according to the promise. That's right. And those are all estate, that's all estate terms. <laughs> right. Those are, those are all terms of the state law. Four is things of the world in gematria, the study of numbers in scripture, and that deals with your estate, the things of this world. 29 is departure, which means you're departing, being a kid, you're growing up. So when you became of age, when was that? 18 according to the current legal status? Mm -hmm. So at age 18, you should have given up being a child under the tutors of the state who are controlling your estate. Correct. And you should have grown up, and then you should have accepted the heirship, which means you should have been an executor of your estate. And then you would have come into full ability to control your future discharge any debts that may exist, and run your life in freedom and independence. But everybody probably on this call pretty much is still in slavery that's induced by their inability to go back and claim their estate. So you're still a child, and you're still under the tutor, which is the alien property custodian managing your estate because you haven't come of age. Yes. Yes. And yep. one here, one here is at near sixty, a sixty-year-old minor who is trying to put away childish things. There you go. So that's what we're working on. Did any? Thank you very much for that blessing and those that scripture. It's very greatly appreciated, George. Did anyone have any other? Uh, comments before we wrap it up tonight just i just want to say thank thank you guys both uh for um for your research and for your willingness to share that with us and i look forward to participating fully in the class and researching and reading and really learning thank you all right robert thank you and aloha and uh, will there be anything else, or we'll go ahead and wrap it up for the night? Once again, my friend Neil, you've successfully screwed up a whole two hours again, but it was a blessing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I, I would like to thank everyone uh, who has come aboard on the class. And uh, like I said, you've got my email. It's Miguel, M-I-G-U-E-L. Bond, B-O-N-D, the number 44, at gmail.com. 
For anyone else who's interested, there are a few slots left in the class. I'd love to have you. Shoot me an email, and we'll talk about how we get started. And otherwise than that, thank you, Jack, for having me on, and I will be in touch. And thank God bless everyone. You're welcome. Good night. God bless you. Good night. Shalom. Shalom, Brother George. Nice to hear from one. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.